0: That's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I've seen casino...
4: It's Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. I'm Scott Sadenberg joined by James Salinas here on Vista the sports betting network. Sweating out some Major League Baseball games here. Uh, the Chicago White Sox trailing 2 to nothing in the top of the third inning, James, have loaded the bases here and you're watching this game and wondering how do they not have any runs? They've had seven or eight base runners through the first three innings and no runs to show for it, but I guess when you get thrown out on the bases twice that's what happens uh and we'll see if they can convert here with two outs and bases loaded in the top of the third
5: well, at least you know right now with two outs and bases loaded, you're running on contact, so you don't have to worry about well, if it's a if it's a fly ball, do I go halfway? Am I tagging up? Am I falling asleep at the wheel if I'm leading off a second because there was a pickoff, like you said, at second base as well. Yeah, I don't know if the White Sox were fully engaged in this game when it came to their focus, and hopefully uh, it's, here we go, they had foul ball. They're still staying alive. I think this is the opportunity. Hit the baseball. All you got to do is run home in this point don't have to worry about base running on this game no poor base running anymore for the White Sox
4: right? yeah well we'll see what happens uh, my Sox Sox first five parlay not looking great right now as the White Sox down two nothing uh, here but they do have the bases loaded with uh, two outs so we'll see if they can get a two out hit here and uh, at the very least tie the game with a base hit uh, good win with a line out so that's going to end the inning and the White Sox are still down two nothing and the Red Sox are actually now down two to one as uh, it looked like uh, JT Real Muto had a single to right field and scored two runs. The Red Sox just got out of the inning, so Phillies up 2-1 to one going to the bottom of the third inning there at Fenway and the Orioles up 2 nothing on the White Sox going to the bottom of the third there at Camden Yards. The Miami Marlins were your top pick of the day, James. Uh, you know, you're looking at the Atlanta Braves and dealing with the loss of Ronald Acuna yesterday in heartbreaking fashion with that ACL tear, wondering where their heads were going to be at here uh, in their final game before the All-Star break, Pablo Lopez on the hill looking to exact revenge uh, because he didn't uh, last long exactly in his last outing. The Morlins put up a, a three-spot early. It's 3 nothing now, bottom of the third inning in Miami.
5: Lopez lasted exactly one pitch in that last matchup last week against Atlanta because he drilled Acuna right in the ribs. And umpires deemed that was intentional and threw him out of the game after one pitch. So I think here for here, here for Lopez. Yeah. And chance to get back out of the mound since he only got to throw one pitch against the Braves last week. But also, yeah, this, the, the fact that Acuna is out and out for the season for this Atlanta Braves team, just a tough spot for this Braves for, for this Braves lineup really. Just the catalyst, the energy, the fire, the competitiveness, everything that he brings, the flair, you know, brings some bring some swag with him. And it's good to see some swag back in Major League Baseball with some of these young, this younger generation coming in and, and getting after it. But at least so far, so good right now with the Marlins up three. I think they've got a runner at second with nobody down here as well, down here, down at the uh, last of the third inning.
4: Yep. the uh, Jesus Sanchez with a double. So you're looking good there. The Mets put up a five spot in the bottom of the first inning inning thanks to two home runs and they lead the Pirates 5 to nothing. going to the bottom of the third at a city field. It was a Francisco Lindor two-run home run and then a Michael Conforto three-run home run. So the Mets already exceeding their team total for the day and uh, have a big 5 nothing lead there on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Blue Jays leading one nothing against Tampa at the Trop, still top of the fourth inning and two runners on there for the Blue Jays looking to see if they could add more and it looks like they have added more now two nothing blue Jays here in the top of the fourth inning at the trop. So that's the update on your major league baseball games in progress, uh, games that will start coming up in a few minutes from now. You got the uh, twins hosting the tigers. You got the brewers hosting the reds, the Astros welcome in the Yankees. And at the bottom of the hour, it's my top pick of the day, which is the Oakland A's and the Texas Rangers, Chris Bassett, Colby Allard looking forward to that one because, uh, we do have a nice play on the uh, A's. And and for the reasons I gave out earlier, if you were listening or watching this program, uh, Chris Bassett one run in 14 combined innings against the Rangers just three weeks ago. Meanwhile, Colby Allard allowed seven runs in 12 innings against uh, this A's team just a couple of weeks ago. So going with the A's there as my top play of the day. I'm Scott Seidenberg. He's James Salinas. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM here on Beast in the Sports Betting Network. Game three of the NBA finals is tonight in Milwaukee. And both James and I are expecting the Bucks to come out with some desperation. And the first half line is certainly worth a look for the game line. The Bucks are minus four and a half, minus 185 on the money line. Suns plus 165 with the total at 222. First half is worth a look. First quarter for me is worth a look. Let's get more on this game and this series with our senior NBA expert, host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. He is Jonathan Von Tobel, joining us here on Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. JVT, are you expecting a fast start from the Milwaukee Bucks tonight in Game 3?
3: Uh, you know, you could, right? We, we know about the desperation angle, right? Team down 2 nothing, going back home, first quarter, first half type of thing. You know, the, the problem with something like that is uh, this is something that is very much known and expected yeah. by odds makers. So you as a better, you know, you're not getting that much of a deal, right? You know, you're talking about a game that is four and a half. And in some spots, what are we talking about now? As high as uh, what, one and a half, two in the first quarter and three and a half in the first half. You know, that's not a bargain uh, on a number like this for a game. And so I tend to stay away from those angles. You know, I've noted today Uh, and actually throughout this postseason if you have followed that trend if you've bet first quarter and first half which i know people like to split it up and go both you're five eight and one in the hole if you've gone in that direction and a lot of that it's not so much to do with the teams it just has a lot to do with the taxes that you're paying as a better laying more points than you should laying bigger prices than you should so i didn't i tend to stay away from that because you hear the large sample size number of how successful that is uh, but it doesn't really lend right itself to recency which has very much been factored in now having that that, like anecdotally, if you look at the matchups, yeah, you could totally expect a better start, right? The role players back home, more familiar sight lines, more improved shooting. You're not going to get a three of 14 performance from deep, you know, from the role players of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Brent Forbes. So you would expect a little bit of a better performance, but as far as playing those sides in first quarter, first half, there's too much of a tax for me to get involved.
5: JVT so let's talk about You talked about the Bucks and the offensively different scenario coming back Mm -hmm. home and sight lines the basket always looks a little bit bigger when you're playing at home but thinking about Giannis coming back now I was I was concerned not only when he would play in this series and obviously he's played in both games and looked really fresh I don't think he's 100% but played really aggressively in game two but JBT, I feel like when he does that, there's a lot of standing around. There's not a lot of ball movement. There's not a lot of player movement. It's more so kind of standing and being a spectator, watching Giannis put his head down, put the ball on the deck, and try to get to the rim. What do you expect to see offensively from the Bucks, if anything different now with Giannis having a couple of days off, looks healthier out there? Can we expect the same kind of offense? Because I think that's kind of really affects Chris Middleton because he just doesn't seem engaged as much when Giannis is actually on the court.
3: So I think it's kind of a give and take right because uh, James I would argue that when you watched him especially in that third quarter he actually did a lot of kicking it out to guys on three point shots they just weren't hitting them you know I I noted in the piece and in the podcast uh, up on vson.com both of them is that you know the Suns actually gave up 14 wide open looks from beyond the arc to the Milwaukee Bucks right that is a defender six feet or further away from somebody you don't get those looks if there's no ball movement right you don't get those looks if Giannis is not driving and kicking which he has done a very good job of right in the four games against the Phoenix Suns I think he's averaging these two he's had four assists and in the series as a whole if you go two regular season two post we're talking about just a little over four assists per game so I think he's doing actually a pretty decent job of keeping guys engaged and finding open shooters they just got to do their part now and start hitting those looks you know because this is one of the things the Suns have been getting Knicks like luck in the postseason up to this point. point sixth highest rate of wide open shots allowed from beyond the arc to opponents and yet those opponents are shooting just over 36% I think it's like 36.1% you You should be shooting a little bit of a higher clip when nobody is within six feet of you as a shooter so you know we saw a little bit of it right game one 44.4 percent from three for the milwaukee bucks so i tend to think james actually you know if it ain't broke to a certain extent don't fix it and you be honest is unstoppable they have no answer for him 142 points scored in four games against the suns this year on 61.5 percent shooting that is not changing and so now now it's up to you the role players right the Bryn Forbes, drew holidays chris middleton's of the world to hit those shots when you are asked to hit those shots it can't just be pat Connaughton hitting multiple three-pointers in a game because if he's your only guy hitting multiple three-point shots you are in trouble as much as tim murray loves to see big pat actually hitting those shots you need a little bit more production so i would kind of i would say actually you kind of keep rolling with it because we saw multiple times the Suns tried to build the wall it didn't work and when you build the wall you get three defenders engaged on one guy and that leads to open looks. it's just about the guys who are on the perimeter doing their job and hitting those shots
4: the senior NBA expert, Jonathan von Tobel, joining us here on betting across America presented by bet MGM You've been on record uh, many times, many shows talking about how this is an over series, uh, but the yep. number now as high as it's been at 222 and a half. Do you lean over with that total or is it too high for you?
3: Yeah, 221 and a half just bumped down to circa, right? So you're still in that range of game two. And, you know, I still think if you're telling me pick one or the other, I'm still picking over here, man. Like, if you just – let's just go back to the regular season, right? Because I always tend to push back on the notion. That ah, regular season means nothing. I would say it means something, right? We saw Giannis destroy them in two games. Giannis has destroyed them in two games. We saw two high-scoring games in the regular season. We've seen two high-scoring games in the postseason. You know, the regular season does mean something. And if you go back to those first two games of the regular season, we're talking about totals of 226 and 232. These first two games have looked like games that should probably have totals in the range of 226 to like 228. And so I would tend to lean over here. And here's the other factor of it, right? So we talk about Milwaukee, the role players, the familiar sight lines, that offense you would tend, you would think, it would tend to get better, right, when they're playing back at home. Milwaukee is not stopping Phoenix's offense, right? We could talk about the drop coverage. It's not working against Phoenix when you have elite mid-range scorers like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And by the way, that drop coverage in the regular season allowed the third most wide open looks from beyond the arc among all 30 NBA teams. And what did we see in game two? It's a whole bunch of wide open looks on drop coverage, and we saw 23-pointers go down for the Phoenix Suns. You want to switch everything? That's fine. DeAndre Ayton will destroy Drew Holiday in the low post. Chris Paul will destroy Brooke Lopez out in space. You, you have all those mismatches, so uh, the Bucks aren't stop in Phoenix anytime soon and so when you put those things together you get a high scoring series that we've seen up to this point so no I haven't really seen anything in the first two games that would get me off of that until we get to the like the 224 range I think you know that's when you start to start maybe looking under the total but I mean uh, you guys have watched these two games from an offensive standpoint when these two offenses are clicking like we saw with Giannis going off or we've seen from the Suns through two games now they're not stopping each other and so that leads to my thought that this is going to be a higher scoring series and we're 2-0 to the over so far
5: JBT, let's let's dig into the roster here and thinking about. I think for me, going into the series, obviously we didn't know what was going to happen with Giannis, but looking at the depth of each team, not very deep team for the Bucks coming off the bench, but for the Suns, I thought that was going to be a strength for them coming in. Now Sarge is gone for the for the remainder of the playoffs. We don't know the status of Torrey Craig and what it's going to look like for him if he's going to be available. If he is, how impactful was that knee contusion and how is that going to limit him out there on the court? Now what I felt like was a strength for the Suns now is starting to shrink up and it's it's become it could be a hindrance here considering the amount of minutes that we're seeing Chris Paul and Devin Booker in particular Chris Paul how many minutes he's playing through through this series any concerns now for the Suns if Cam if if we don't have Craig out there on the court because you've really kind of relegated just to Johnson and Payne coming off the bench it seems like for the Suns at this point
3: yeah, I, I, to a certain extent, right, James? You know, you mentioned the minutes load, and it's been pretty stark to see, right, the, the big minutes that these guys are playing. But I tend to think in an NBA Finals, right, like this is a championship, right? And Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre, and your main role players, you know, you're going to play big minutes. You, you look back to game one, right? Devin Booker played over 40 minutes of that game. Chris Paul, I think, played 38, 39. And that was before the Torrey Craig injury, and sorry to get injured there. But, you know, you see this in, in these championship series where, you know, as this the postseason goes along and as you get deeper into the the rounds and once you get to the finals you tend to see these stars play the bigger roles and, and get a good chunk of those minutes so now it's about those small like sprints of minutes what's going to happen there and, and I think to me the way I'd approach it from a depth standpoint is more looking at the ancillary pieces in terms of maybe some of their props, right? Like a Bobby Portis, who's now coming off the bench more than Giannis is in the starting lineup. His opportunity becomes a little bit more fruitful in terms of scoring against, you know, whatever is going to be out there when he is on the floor. Since the is not going to be out there, you might see more Frank Kaminsky. We saw four minutes in game two. So I think that's how I approach it. I I think from a big picture standpoint, I don't know how much of an effect it has, mainly because I think because this is a championship on the line now, right? This This is it. You're not going anywhere farther than this you're going to see guys like Chris Paul Devin Booker and even on the other side right Giannis is on one leg and he's playing in 40 minutes a game essentially so I tend to think that has more of an effect on some player props and smaller things like that as opposed to the big picture of how it plays out over the course of a series unless of course right one of the key role players goes down then you can start to talk about oh god what's going to happen because now you don't really have anything going on but we haven't seen that yet to this point
4: So let's take a look at the prop market here. Uh, In game one, I was on DeAndre Ayton's over point total, just looking at his history against the Milwaukee Bucks and Brooke Lopez averaging 18.6 points per game coming into this series. He had the 22 in game one, but a clear adjustment on defense, as you've detailed JVT uh, and and DeAndre Ayton was completely a non-factor. But you saw Monty Williams, that clip has gone viral of him pumping up DeAndre Ayton on the bench and, and telling him how he has impact in other ways besides scoring. The prop total from game one to game two, the point total, excuse me, went up from 15 and a half to 16 and a half. Based on that game two performance, it has dropped back down to 15 and a half. Do we expect a bounce back performance from DeAndre Ayton? And do you like that over 15 and a half tonight?
3: and circa if you still want to bet at Circa's at 16 flat so if you want to go under you can get a little bit of a better number so this is and there's certain shops out there that you can find that offer live props and if you can find something like that that would be very beneficial to you mainly because th- this is all for deandre aden specifically this is all about whether or not or how i should say the bucks played defensively right you know you, we let's go back to that game one where he drops 22 and 19 the reason why he gets to drop 22 and 19 in that game is the Bucks switched everything for about three quarters in that game right they were they were fine with Brooke Lopez going down to Chris Paul in space. Everything. One through five, two, four, whatever it was, they were switching it. What that led to was DeAndre Aiden getting paired up on Drew Holiday, right, in the low post. And Holiday's a really dynamic defender. He's not matching up with DeAndre Aiden. So you saw a lot of finishes on smaller guys and mismatches. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, right? If they're going to switch everything, we're going to mismatch hunt. And that means that a guy like DeAndre Aiden's going to have a little a big game, and sure enough, he did. And that led to good rebounding, right? Again, when you're mismatched, when you're switching everything, if Lopez is out on the perimeter defending Chris Paul, somebody smaller is defending and boxing out DeAndre Ayton so that leads to better opportunities for him so if they're switching everything in Game Three, that means DeAndre Ayton's probably going to be pretty live. But I tend to think that they're going to revert back to like what they did in Game Two, which is a lot of drop coverage, right? And what that does is that does kind of eliminate DeAndre Ayton from a stat perspective. Monty Williams is actually is exactly right in terms of you know his impact on a game being more than numbers. And in a game like that where they're dropping everything back toward the basket, it just makes it harder for Ayton to score. He's not going to get those small matchups. He's going to be fighting for rebounds with Brook Lopez now in those matchups, and then that's just less beneficial to him from that standpoint. So if they're playing a lot of drop coverage which I think they're going to again here. I think that just leads to you wanting to look under the total for DeAndre Ayton. But if they're if we're opening up in the first quarter and we're going to see them switch and everything, I think you better look out cuz Ayton's going to be uh, in for a really big night if they're going to switch every single matchup like they did in game 1.
5: JVT sticking with the prop market here with some of some mm-hmm. of the players that are further down the list, and I know with Mikhail Bridges you hit him the other night. I think he won that what his over three pointers one and a half. It hit Both like games. the first five or six minutes. <laughs> that yep. Game. Right, exactly. And so I went with Cam. I went with Cam Johnson and the same thing. It was plus money on that, and he did it. And I'm kind of looking deeper down the list. Like for Cam Johnson, we know the majority of his shots are going to come from the outside, and if there's no Tory Craig tonight, we may see extended minutes for Cam Johnson getting out there. And being able to shoot the basketball and have opportunities based on his minutes but I was also looking at Pat Connaughton coming off the bench now he's played some significant minutes in these the really he's the only consistent bench player that's producing and getting extended minutes here thinking about Pat Connaughton coming off the bench now his point total was sitting at seven and a half I'm looking to play that over because I think it's gonna be the same type of deal where I don't think bud really trusts Forbes to go out there and play Mm -hmm. too many extended minutes I don't know if Teague's gonna see the floor too often either so as far as the bench play for both of these teams, looking at Conanton to go over his point total at seven and a half, as well as Cam Johnson to hit more than two, three or one and a half threes here plus money. How do you feel about those two plays?
3: yeah so let's start with Connaughton. I would agree with that right because I think you're just you're going to get the opportunities that's always what you're looking at with some of these guys you you look at the rotation for game two he's the only other player off the bench other than Jeff Teague uh, you know getting double digit minutes and Teague only played 12 he played 34 and so Connaughton's going to be out there and the interesting part with Connaughton James is you know there's been a very big conversation about Milwaukee going small and I have some numbers that says they probably shouldn't but we'll probably see it a little bit right and if we do Connaughton's going to be the piece that you plug in because you just need another piece in terms of guard you can't Put Bobby Portis in a small ball lineup with Giannis at the five. You can't roll out some big front court pieces, so it's got to be Connaughton that's going to be out there. So he's going to get out there and he's going to get the shot opportunities. You know, I mentioned he's the only player from Milwaukee in Game Two to hit multiple three point shots, and he's going to get those attempts. So the, the opportunity is going to be there, and I would agree with that. And as far as Cam goes, yes, I agree with that too. You know, the reason why I played Mikhail Bridges to the first two games and I got him one more time minus one fifty here to go over that one and a half is because the opportunity is going to be there given the coverage. You know, let's go back to the eight and conversation. If that happens, if they're playing more drop coverage, that leads to more three-point shots for the Phoenix Suns. It's why, like focusing on Mikhail Bridges, for example. In game one, he only has four three-point attempts because they were switching everything. But in game two, he had nine because there were more open looks from three because of that drop coverage. And so if they're sticking with that, like I think they're going to, it's not just Mikhail Bridges who benefits from that. It's a guy like Johnson who is going to put up some three-point shots, who was considered a three-point specialist for a while, but it's just a quality basketball player. So yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. It, it, you know, again, all of the these matchups are dependent on how the opponent plays defensively, but we have an idea of how these teams play defensively. And I, I think that opens up for opportunities for both of those props, James, to go over like you're thinking. All
4: right, JVT, King, let's get out of here without putting you on the spot. So, in about 30 seconds or less, do the Bucks win this game and make it a 2 1 series tonight?
3: Yeah, I think they win. Cover is another thing. I think it's pretty fascinating that you go from four and a half uh, right in Phoenix versus the Suns to four and a half here from Milwaukee. That's quite the swing. So I think there's some value there on the Suns. But I think overall, look, I picked the Bucks to lose in six. That would mean they have to win one of these games. So I think they will win this one.
4: (laughs) Uh, There he is. He is the very best. Our senior NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel, joining us here. Appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight, JVT. Thanks, guys. There he is. Uh, so he likes the Bucks to win, which does certainly help out the uh, the bets uh, for you, James, with your Suns in 6 and uh, Suns in 7. Uh, coming up next, let's get into the Home Run Derby and check out the odds to win and uh, maybe some matchup plays as well as Major League Baseball heads towards its All-Star break. Alongside James Salinas, I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM here on v the Sports Betting Network. a recent subscriber exclusive this Tuesday Long Shots hosts Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds will be answering your golf betting questions live just in time for the Open Championship They'll be live Tuesday at 3.15 p.m. Eastern, 12.15 p.m. Pacific for a subscriber-only Q&A session. Subscribers will have access to watch live and ask questions, or you can email your questions ahead of time to questions at vcin.com. Watch for the link in your subscriber email and join Brady and Wes for all the golf betting insights this Tuesday. And we got the news earlier that Bubba Watson withdrew from the open due to COVID exposure. Scott Sadenberg, James Salinas here on betting across America presented by bet MGM here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. We have home run derby odds as major league baseball heads towards the all star break festivities begin in Colorado on Monday evening. And Shohei Otani is your favorite James. And rightfully so he is uh, Uh, he's a star and he's the biggest draw of this home run derby. With all due respect to Trevor Story, who is going to be the hometown favorite, it's all about Otani. And he doesn't exactly have an easy draw in round one against Juan Soto. Now, Otani is minus 200, but Soto can certainly get hot and blast him out of the ballpark. So uh, I don't think it's an easy draw at all for Otani.
5: I don't either. And laying $2, that's not something I would be betting on here, does lay $2, considering Soto is he, who he's going to match up with. Just thinking about this, though, you know, with the All-Star festivities, Home Run Derby tomorrow, the All-Star game on Tuesday, the, the stadium is just down the street from me here, and all the buzz in Denver is about the Home Run Derby. I don't. Who's playing in the All-Star game? I don't even know what the roster is. All the talk is right now in this city all about this Home Run Derby, and in particular, like you said, when it comes to Otani, and he's going to be the fan favorite and he's the overall favorite sitting at plus 325 to win this thing i think the one thing we have to consider is i don't think they'll be using the balls out of the humidor here scott like they normally do here when the the rockies are playing a home game i think they want to see this ball flying out of the ballpark and I i think here it's, it's the the ballpark's a little bit better suited for for folks who hitters who hit from the left side of the plate than the right but i think also it, I don't think it really matters. I think the right the right power alley is a little shorter, but the fence is a little higher there because of the manual scoreboard in right field. Uh, it's twice as high. I think it's seventeen feet high. But if if somebody's trying to win this thing and they're having to squeak a ball over that three seventy five, the the taller side so, uh, the the taller right field fence, uh, I don't think they're going to be competing. I think this is going to be more so for me. I haven't bet anything. I don't know if you've bet anything here, Scott. Uh, But for me, I think I will bet I may end up going to this tomorrow. So if I do, then I'll get involved and I'm probably just going to want to be a fan with this and bet on Otani because he's going to be so much fun to watch tomorrow. He will be. He swings so hard, but what concerns me is
4: that I don't think he's ever done an event like this before. So uh, I tend to lean towards the guys who have experience doing home run derbies and that's why Pete Alonso is actually very attractive to me at plus 500. He is the defending champ in this event, and I think that that experience does come into play here, uh, knowing that you can't tire out after round one, and it's, it is uh, a bracket-style event. Alonzo's been through this grind before. He knows what it takes to win. The polar bear at plus 500 to me is a very attractive
5: number. Yeah, and the ball's just going to jump off of his bat there. And you, you talked about the attrition of this, too. That's the other thing to consider. How hard and how how violently do you swing? How much torque and energy are you using on every swing here? If we're looking at matchups, and I know Trevor Story's going to be the fan favorite, the shortstop for the Rockies, plus 135 in his matchup against Gallo. But Gallo's got, he's just got that sweet left handed stroke. And yeah, in a game, susceptible to plenty of strikeouts here. But he's going to, I think Gallo's going to be live in this contest, but in particular against Trevor. Trevor Story. Somebody's Trevor story has to use every ounce of energy when he hits the baseball to try to drive it all over the ballpark or get it over the fence. I think there will be some fatigue that's in for Trevor story. So if I was going to bet any of these matchups that we have on the board, make mine Gallo laying a dollar 65 against story.
4: But story is the hometown guy. It's certainly going to be emotional for him. He knows the sight lines in, in the ballpark. He knows that batter's eye. And when you're looking at his price at plus 700, uh, if he can get by Gallo in that first round, if he beat defeats him narrowly, that's the easier side of the bracket. That right side of the bracket where it's the winner of Story Gallo against the winner of Trey Mancini, who is a tremendous story cancer survivor, against Matt Olson. That's the easier side of the bracket. So if Story can survive that, plus seven hundred is a live bet. For the hometown favorites, that's something that I'm certainly going to be taking a look at for the Home Run Derby. Just to recap, Otani, your favorite, plus 325. Gallo, second, at plus 450. I'm Scott Sadenberg. He's James Salinas. We will continue our division-by-division NFL breakdown coming up next with the AFC West. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM right here on Vison presented by BetMGM here on v the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Seidenberg alongside James Salinas and Throughout the course of the past uh, several weeks, we've been previewing the NFL and going division by division here on the show. And we did the NFC West last hour, so we are going to move to the AFC West here in this uh, segment. Uh, The Chiefs, your overwhelming favorite to win the division at minus 300, followed by the Broncos at plus 500, Chargers at plus 600, and then the Raiders 18-1. to The Chiefs, uh, a plus 450 Super Bowl favorite. Uh, to win there and you know a lot of people believe that there will be improved teams in this division but it is certainly the Chiefs division right now to lose James if you're looking at one of these teams which one has the chance to push the Kansas City Chiefs for this division title
5: I think if it's, I mean, that's a tall order to have to knock off that chiefs team. Anytime you got Patrick Mahomes out there on the field, one of the best, we know how special of a talent he is out there and offensively where they can just score from every angle on the field. But, to me if you're going to beat them it's going to start on the defensive side and to me the best defense in this division is with the Denver Broncos and you know I'm not a Denver Bronco fan Scott I'm not a fan of any team I'm a fan of whoever I'm betting on and cashing tickets that's where I'm rooting for <laughs> day in and day out but but here with the Broncos I like what they've done on the defensive side in particular in the secondary I think this is this is now the Chicago Bears west when it comes to Fangio he's got his defense in particular the the corners position that was really where they they just had no depth at the cornerback position last year. At one point, they had so many injuries. At one point, they were down. They were pulling guys. Uh, they were playing at Jefferson Park, which is just a block north from Mile High Stadium. I mean, they were just decimated on the defensive side in that secondary. I love the moves that they've made in, uh, at the corner position. They've got a lot of depth there now, and I, I think we'll we'll see we'll see how Von Miller comes back in. I don't think he really fits into the st- the, the system that Fangio likes to play. There's a lot of times we know Miller was. Out last year uh, with with his injury will be coming back a year removed. But the year prior, he was out in coverage on a number of plays, and that's not Von Miller. Von Miller is a pass rusher. So we'll see if what, what that's gonna look like for Fangio to try to get him in more involved in the in the pass rush as opposed to dropping back in linebacker coverage. But I think here defensively, it's gonna start there with the Broncos. And it's kind of interesting. We look at these numbers, and we're talking about the division odds, and the Broncos are are plus five hundred as opposed to the Chargers being plus 600, but then you look at the season win totals and the Chargers are sitting there, and I know the juice is different, but it's the Chargers are at 9.5 as far as the season win totals when the Broncos are at 8.5. Uh, I kind of like where we're sitting with the Broncos. They're going to be playing a last-place schedule and the big there's certain stadiums where we know there's a clear home field advantage make mile high one of those it is a rabid fan base that is here they'll fill up 75,000 each and every time there and the fact that they're playing at altitude I think it's going to be a a really a better much better season for sure than what we saw to the Denver Broncos last year Uh, but starts on the defensive side if anything I'm looking at that season win total I think the Broncos can get to nine
4: yeah the over is heavily juiced Uh, speaking of the win total you mentioned the Chargers at nine and a half Brandon's Daily, one of the favorites to win coach of the year, as a lot of people are high on this Chargers team. I mean, look at what they did last year with Justin Herbert. He is just a tremendous player. So taking a look at this Chargers team, 10 wins, is it a real possibility for them? The under is juiced at minus 130.
5: I don't know. I I need to see it from their offensive line first. And yeah, Herbert stepped in and really just thrown, thrown into the fire the week. I think that was week two against the chiefs and I think he played better than I thought he was going to stand up in that pocket. He stands tall in the pocket, likes to, he can make all the throws. Sometimes we'll try to play the hero ball and force some of those big throws. Cause he really likes to play the vertical passing game. But anytime there's a new coach coming over, and this is a whole new coaching staff, not only with Stanley, but the, the entire coaching staff, it takes some time. And typically I, te- I tend to either stay away and or fade usually in the first month or so those teams that had a full roster change turnover when it comes to the coaching staff and I think here that it still remains to be seen for me there's plenty of talent on that team on both sides of the football for the Chargers in particular up front we know with Bosa if he's going to be healthy be able to come back but don't particularly love those deep I don't love those linebackers I feel like you can run the football at the Chargers and I don't know that seems like a tall order here with a new coach and thinking about their schedule you're talking about the season win total sitting at nine and a half it's interesting to me that the Chargers are actually the favorite come week one at Washington I think Washington Love the defensive front for the Washington football team, and I think they'll be much improved offensively with the gunslinger that is uh, Fitzpatrick back there now. But look at the opening schedule before their bye week at Washington. They're going to play Dallas, who have Prescott back. Then they're at Kansas City, home to Vegas, but then they're playing the Browns and at Baltimore. That is really a gauntlet of a six-game schedule for a new coach having to step in and set, really take over the reins for the San, for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes. Uh... Uh,
4: Certainly there. Um, And and you mentioned the odds uh, for them for the win total, uh, but yet they're behind the Broncos in terms of the division, but yet they have a higher, uh, a better odds to win the conference and better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Denver Broncos. So very interesting correlations uh, there in terms of the Raiders. uh, The total is projected at seven. Um, Not a lot of respect giving to given to Vegas. Seven is such a low number though. Um, You know, especially with this, the added game so seven and 10 is what their projected record is if you're looking at this win total over is juiced at minus 125 uh, I don't want to be disrespectful here and and say they're going to go under but I don't just don't want to give them the over
5: 7 and 10 to me that just seems like a bad season. Uh, Well, and uh, thinking about that defense, uh, who's? How are they going to stop anybody, especially in the secondary? They just can cover. Oh, I love overs. I'm going to love overs in all these games. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right, because they are going to be in shootouts. Because the secondary just they. You know, uh, they've already cast off the first round pick from from a year ago. I just think it's going to be a struggle all season long for the Raiders on the defensive side to where can Carr just continue to match score and match score after score after score uh, because that defense is going to be so bad on the secondary. And are they going to be able to generate any kind of consistent pass rush? I need to see it first and I know there's going to be fans in the stands there there in Las Vegas now that weren't there last year for Allegiant Stadium. So that's going to be exciting. But how many of them are actually Raiders fans? Are you, I think half that half that stadium is going to be full of the opposing team's fans that are traveling out. I mean, what a fun destination to go out, follow your team around, and let's make it make it. Uh, let's go to Vegas and watch our team play and make a weekend out of it. I just don't know if it's going to be that great of a home home field advantage for the Raiders once they get back to full capacity. There.
4: Yeah, that's what you worry about. Maybe more of the fans will be interested in that uh, the club there in the end zone, so uh, as opposed to the Raiders winning that football game. That was our break of the AFC West. Uh, Coming up next, we'll get back into the NBA Finals, plus a pick on Euro 2020, the final between Italy and England, and we'll update you on the Major League Baseball scores in progress. He's James Salinas. I'm Scott Siderberg. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM, here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: work.
4: the corner it's time to get into bet mgm sports nevada's premier sports betting app bet mgm has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting boosted odds specials and much more download the bet mgm app today and stop by any mgm casino on the strip with your state issued id to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in nevada Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It's Betting Across America presented by BetMGM here on v the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Seidenberg alongside James Salinas. Let's update you here on the Major League Baseball scoreboard. It is the uh, going to the bottom of the fifth now. The Orioles with a 2-1 lead over the White Sox. So White Sox first five is a big loser. Uh, the Marlins with a 6-2 lead over the Braves. The Phillies a 5-1 lead over the Red Sox in the top of the fifth inning. The Mets lead the Pittsburgh Pirates. 5-2 in the top of the fifth. The Blue Jays, a 3-0 lead over the Rays in the top of the seventh. A fast-moving game there. No score between the Tigers and the Twins going to the top of the third inning. Cincinnati leads Milwaukee 1-0 bottom of the second. No score between the Yankees and the Astros in the bottom of the second. And bottom of the first, no score between the A's and the Rangers. The A's were my best play of the day. The Marlins were uh, James's top play. Marlins are up 6-2, to a uh, reminder here, in the top of the fifth. Fifth innings. Still to come, uh, Washington, San Francisco, Colorado, San Diego, Arizona, and the Dodgers, LA, and Seattle as Major League Baseball heads towards the All-Star break. Tonight is Game 3 of the NBA Finals. The Suns with a 2-0 series lead on the Bucs. The Bucs are a 4.5 point favorite tonight in Game 3 on their home court. And James, I think you and I are both in lockstep thinking that the Bucs are going to come out strong and have a much better performance in this game, even though they did didn't play poorly in game two. It was just the three-point shooting for the Suns that was lights out, and that was the difference in the ball game. But we do expect the Bucks to come away victorious here on their home floor in game
5: three. That's exactly what I'm hoping for, considering where my series bets are for Suns in six and Suns in seven. They got to win tonight. Do the Bucks to be able to get to that six? Because if they lose tonight... Yeah, tall order here. You're down 0-3 at home, and, yeah, I don't know how much energy is going to be left. And I think the Suns, we've seen the Suns, if it gets to that point, they like clinching these series on the road better than they do at home because that's what they've done in all three series leading up to the finals. But I think for tonight's game – yeah, the the basket's gonna look bigger, and and being at home for the shooters here for the Bucks, because they're gonna have to make some shots. Did not shoot b- the ball well, in particular, combined for Middleton and Drew They Haven't shot the ball well in the series, but combined in Game Two, they were collectively 12 for 37 from the floor. That's not gonna get it done. So, they're gonna have to be more aggressive and stop settling for so many jump shots. Get to the basket. Get to the rim. Get to the free throw line, Scott. I think that's the key here, too, is get some easy points at the at the charity stripe. Outside of Giannis, he had 11. He made 11 out of 18 free throws in game two. 18 free throw attempts. They, as a team, they had 23 free throw attempts. That's it. And it was drew holiday that had three of those. And that's, they, they've got to be more aggressive. They've got to play through some contact and maybe we'll get a little more favorable whistle at home from the officials. Will the Bucks?
4: Yeah. uh, I think though, there's, there's one thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation um, and that's the Suns. How well they've played so far this postseason. I think what thirteen and two in their last fifteen games. They had that nine game winning streak. And even though I do think the Bucks have a very good chance to win this game, does the number kind of give you any hesitation uh, on this game? Like, could you th- could you lay the four and a half with the Milwaukee Bucks, or is the smart play to take the points? With the Phoenix Suns, considering how well they've played so far this postseason?
5: I, th- I think I need to see this Suns team on the road here in the finals. Now, Granted, the both teams had some favorable luck in there throughout the playoffs on both sides. You think about the Bucks and all the injuries that were sustained in the series against Brooklyn, the last series, Eastern Conference final, Trey Young going down with his bone contusion in his foot, really hobbled him. And I think the other side for the Suns, they've been fortunate in each one of their series as far as star players either being hobbled and or not being available. So that's a little different for me with the Suns. I know they've been playing really well throughout the playoffs, but I just Think of the teams that they were able to play, that they played throughout the playoffs, really banged up all three teams, when you're t- especially with thinking about the Nuggets backcourt as well as no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. So mm-hmm. I need to see it first, Scott. I need to see this young Suns team outside from Chris Paul, the veteran that he is and terrific leader that he had, that he runs the show out there on the court. I need to see it from this young Suns team on the road, in particular, too, because that bench has gotten really—it's gotten really short. And I, I know with Chris Paul, 36 years old, playing a lot of minutes, I did see fatigue set in on him on the, in the fourth quarter in game two. A lot of times, fatigue—you'll see it play out a couple different ways. Whether it's shot selection, start to—you know—you got to you know, you gotta work for good looks at the basket, closer to the basket, higher percentage shots. You got to put effort and energy into that, and we start to see whether it's shots coming further and further away from the basket, and or some of your decision-making process. Now, Chris Paul is usually one that takes care of the basketball consistently. He has six turnovers in that game. And in that fourth quarter, some really bad decisions and lazy passes. There was one he went behind his back mm-hmm. cross-court that got a, a run out the other way. And I think that was really fatigue. So, I think that's the key for me here, too, with, with somebody like Paul and Booker, the amount of minutes that they're playing here. How does that affect them as the game progresses? I'm going to stay away from the game. I'm not going to play the side here. Maybe get involved with something in-game, and we will be doing a few prop bets with some players, but ultimately because of the position I have with the Suns, I need the Bucks to win tonight, so yeah. I'm already vested pretty heavily there. That's where I'm going to stick.
4: Any lean on the total? Uh, we talked to JVT earlier, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA analyst, and, and and we looked at the over, which is 222, 221 at some spots, and uh, he says this is going to be an over series. The first two games have gone over, and both games of the regular season went over this number as well. Do you think the trend continues and this game goes over that number?
5: I do. I'm not going to play it. I'm just going to – usually when I have a, uh, a, a position on a side, I'm not going to also correlate it with the total and, and have action on both the side and the total. But in this case, if I didn't, I would be probably playing that total. I don't like it sitting at 221. Now it's been adjusted a little bit from where it was opened in game one to where it sits now in game three. But just think of the defensive side for both teams. I just don't know what adjustments the Bucks are going to be able to make defensively against the way the, the Suns' offense and the style of offense that they run with Chris. Paul coming off those ball screens, living in the middle of the court, mid-range game with both he and Booker to shoot, as well as spotting up three-pointers on the outside with uh, multiple shooters out there. Bridges had a sensational game in game two. Mm-hmm. Now I need to see that carry over on the road in game three here. But Aiden, Aiden, I know that's one that you've been keying on as far as his prop total points going over and being more involved in the offense. I agree. I think he'll be more involved offensively, especially early, trying to just build some confidence for Aiden because he looked a little shook during game two on the sideline with Coach Monty Williams. So, yeah, I think for me, the lean would be to the over uh, with this with the way that the Bucks play defense and the soft coverage and the drop coverage, whatever you want to call that. I don't see that changing much. I think there's going to be plenty of open looks on both sides from the perimeter. They start knocking down threes the way that the Suns did in game two, as well as the Bucks will be able to make some better shots tonight as well. It would be over or nothing for me.
4: Yeah, and speaking of Aiton, I just think that the Suns are going to go to him early because they want to see the defensive adjustment from the Milwaukee Bucks. So by going to Ayton early in the pick and roll, you can see how the Bucks are defending you if they're switching or if they're not and they're dropping back or whatever, then you could determine how you're going to play it for the remainder of the game. Uh, I do think over 15 and a half though is a low number as Ayton has averaged 18.6 points per game against this Bucks team in his career. He had the 22 in game one and uh, a big drop off there with the 10 points in game two. But I do think he goes over over that 15 and a half tonight Uh, the other prop plays that are interesting going further down the list uh, cam johnson for the suns was at seven and a half in game two and he went over that he's a guy who is certainly going to fire from three point range so if he gets a couple of those threes he's going to go over his point total Uh, what other point total props do you like james in this game tonight
5: Yeah, correlated with that, with Cam Johnson, it's over one and a half as far as three-pointers made. That's where the bulk of his shots come from is from beyond the arc. So it's sitting at plus money, plus 100 to go over. I like that there. But looking on the other side, deeper down the list, when we're talking about some of these role players, bench players coming off for either team, like Cam Johnson for the Suns, I'm looking at Pat Connaughton for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, their bench is pretty short too, uh, especially when it comes to guard play. Teague is, I think, spot minutes for Jeff Teague out there coming out to play, but also Forbes. I don't think there's a lot of trust in Bryn Forbes so far. We've seen his minutes really decrease as the playoffs have have continued, but we're seeing plenty of minutes out of Pat Connaughton. Pat, and he's playing very aggressive and playing with a lot of confidence. In that game two, uh, he had 34 minutes off the bench in game two, took nine three-pointers, made four of them, took nine shots from the outside. So I think the opportunities are going to be there for Pat Connaughton. He's playing with a lot of confidence right now. His point total was just sitting there at seven and a half points. I like to, to, to go over. That's the best prop that I see right now is Pat Connaughton over seven and a half points. That's the one I'm going to be playing for sure.
4: NBA finals game three from Milwaukee tonight. The Bucks are a four and a half point favorite. The total 222 221 and a half, depending on where you look real quick. We got Euro 2020 final coming up in a few minutes from now. It's England It's Italy, England shot up minus 145, Italy plus 110. The game is at Wembley, which gives England a little home turf advantage. Do you have a lean on this game,
5: James? think the lean for me is what we talked about earlier. I like where you're going with it as far as the total is concerned. Now, not much margin for error. It's sitting at one and a half, but it is juiced to the under plus 130. I see some one thirty fives out here as well. That's what I think where I'm leaning and that's probably if I'm playing it, we got to do it soon because it's going to kick real soon. I like the under here defensive teams. I think they're going to they're going to play smart. No one wants to make the mistake. Make mine under one and a half plus one thirty five.
4: Yeah, I like that as well. No score in the first uh, 30 minutes also would be a play for me as well. He's James Salina I'm Scott Seidenberg. Uh, good luck if you're betting on Euro 2020, the final moment away. And then we'll get everything recapped for you right here on VSIN. This has been Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
1: work.